you couldn't do marriage with this person. So it's it's not like out of the blue that you're having a hard time parenting with them. And everything triggers us in this process because we are now trying to navigate the most important part of our world, our children, with somebody we no longer trust or love or care for. Hi, and welcome to Help Them Bloom, a podcast for conscious parents. All right, parents, raising children is no small job. And how you choose to raise your child during their first years impacts so much of their self-worth and how they'll navigate life. As a child and parenting expert, I'm here on a mission to help you parent intentionally through the messiest of your moments and in a way that feels good to you. Let's dive in. Today, I have someone I'm so excited to share with you on this podcast. She is a person that I admire both on a personal and professional level, Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, who is a guru for moms moving on with their divorces, but also a guru for me personally in my personal life because she has been such a support to me as a friend. And we both went through our divorces pretty much at the same time. So I'm so happy to share her wealth of knowledge with you today. And most recently, she actually has published a book, Moms Moving On, which is incredible. If you haven't gotten your hands on it yet, we'll definitely talk all about it at the end. Uh, But I would love to welcome her now and have her do her own little intro. Mish, thank you for being here. I'm so excited that you finally have a podcast. This (laughs) This is like a long time coming and so needed. And you are a wealth of knowledge, which is why I turn to you always for so many episodes and events and workshops on co-parenting because nobody understands it quite like a mama who's going through it. Um, So my own intro, what did you not say? I'm a certified divorce specialist, co-parenting specialist. I coach women. I work with them in all stages of the divorce process. Before the divorce process, when they're thinking of leaving, when they start the process and they're very intimidated. And then throughout the course of their co-parenting lives, because there's never enough support for that. And my main mission is to help moms put their emotions aside so they can make rational, logical, long-term decisions for the divorce and co-parenting process. I did write my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict and Becoming Your Best Self, which I get to call a bestseller because it was a bestseller for one week on Amazon. And like, I'll take what I can get. And I have my Moms Moving On podcast, as you know, and that's all the things that I do. Mm-hmm. None at all. I co-parent. All. <laughs> I co-parent, co-parent, which is like three full-time jobs in one. Yeah. Yeah. So parenting, we know, is hard enough as it is. But co-parenting then adds another layer to this entirely, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking of the women that you help on a daily basis, do you want to share with us just some of the most common co-parenting challenges that you hear from your clients? Yeah. So, so many of the co-parenting challenges, it's important to point this out, have nothing to do with the kids. Mm-hmm. It's all about the adults. How and, surprising. You know, <laughs> uh-huh, and everybody, but you know what? It's not. And this is what I point out to every client. I'm like, you couldn't do marriage with this person. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like out of the blue that you're having a hard time parenting with them. And everything triggers us in this process because we are now trying to 
navigate the most important part of our world, our children, with somebody we no longer trust or love or care for. So I would say the most common issue I see are people who cannot put their emotions for each other aside to focus on the children. So something that's really important to me is getting people to keep their children at the center of their divorce, but not put them in the middle. So every issue that comes up, like, you know, oh my God, you know, he's letting her do her homework right before bed, not after school, like she does in my house. This is terrible. But, and I'm like, hey, hold on. Let's let's think of the child. Is she going to school with her homework done? Yes. Is she getting a good night's sleep? Yes. Could there be bigger problems in the world? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is all about your control and your feelings for how the other person does things. And so, you know, that's once you get past your expectations of the other person, co-parenting isn't really all that hard. I think we just tell ourselves a story that isn't true, which is this person is going to do things the way I want them to magically now that we're not together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I love what you said about putting children in the center, but not the middle. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we see a lot of children being put in the middle, like, oh, you know, no, sweetheart, I can't buy you those sneakers because daddy forgot to give mommy the child support again. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, you want to go there? Well, daddy's the one with all the money. Let him take you. Or dad says, mommy won't let me see you more. That's why you miss me so much. Statements like that are probably what they mean when they say that divorce messes up the children. When you use your child as a dumping ground for your Mm -hmm. emotions, for the other parent, you are putting them in the middle. When you are making decisions to spite the other parent, you are putting the child in the middle, such as let's say your ex broke your heart and left with the mistress and now you're co-parenting and he wants an extra day to take your child somewhere and you know the mistress is going to be there. So you're like, fuck that. No, I'm not giving him the day. Well, who loses out? Your child on quite possibly a wonderful experience. That is putting a child in the middle. Putting your child in the center is the opposite thought process. It's, okay, you know what? This man and his mistress, I don't care much for them, but they're going to give my child a great experience at this water park or whatever. My child deserves that. That's keeping your child at the center of your decision-making process. And it is very hard for so many people to do, but that's that's why I'm here and doing the work that I do. It sounds like it takes so much like emotion regulation, number one, right? And also just like inner healing because, man, like I'm thinking about emotions that come up for us just when our kids trigger us. And now you have like this added layer of emotions of somebody else that, like you said, it didn't work out in a marriage, imagining the amount of activation you're getting from this person requires a lot of work to be able to actually make decisions, I think, from like a sane, practical, what's in the best interest of my child's place and not from an emotionally reactive place. That's what you and help that your em- clients do. Yes. And the emotional reactivity is so normal. I have mm-hmm. to say that. It's not like you just wake up one day and you're like, I will not emotionally react to these <laughs> problems. We're not designed that way. Like Mm-mm. we're complex people with years of, you know, stories we've lived and trauma we've experienced. And so naturally we're going to be triggered, but I think it's knowing your triggers and having the self-awareness to say, this isn't me. This isn't him. This is him reacting to something. 
I'm feeling this way because of his reaction. Mm -hmm. Let's just block that all out and decide whether or not this child really needs to play soccer this on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Because sometimes the fights are that minimal and stupid, right. but, but you get so caught up because everyone's in a battle for control. So do you have like a specific mantra or little tip or something, some little shortcut that you tell your clients or that you practice yourself when you are in those like big emotional moments that help um, you? Yes. Yes. And this is definitely like a Michelle-ism that my clients hang <laughs> on to and that I probably like put into texts. I text and emails all day long. Just because someone says something doesn't make it true. I've heard you say that and I love it so very much. Yeah. For example, one of my clients emailed me two nights ago in a panic. Like she's in the middle of a pretty benign divorce process. I would say for her, it feels huge. But like knowing what I know, it's just like your average run of the mill divorce process. And her ex filed a motion to modify time sharing because he claims that she's a negligent mother because she was on her phone at baseball practice and she wasn't co-parenting because she didn't ask dad about a certain folder that she was going to buy at Target. Like basically n stupidity, but made her feel like the worst mom in the world. And naturally just seeing your name on a legal court document, she was like, oh my God, my kids are going to be taken away from me. And, and it's a big re reaction, but it's a natural one when you're relationship to your children is put into question. And so we had to take a step back and say, okay, just because he said this, and just because he's filing it with the court, doesn't mean it's true. And just because you're thinking the worst, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And the other thing that I say all the time is pick your battles. That's pick the one. Battles. It's yeah. so corny and it's so cliche, but like, okay, so we're in back to school season right now. I don't know when you're airing this, but like, I had another client who was like, I need him to agree to, to let me send my child to this school. And then now I need to get him to pay for her new sneakers. She wears special orthotics, this kid. And like, and I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Can we prioritize? Can we prioritize? <laughs> I'm like, can you pay for the sneakers? Keep that receipt on your fridge for maybe like three weeks from now, once we fight the more important battle, which is where is this child going to go to school? And it's it's just a matter of like really playing chess mm -hmm. with your ex and knowing, you know, just like in a marriage, like when to have a heavy conversation with somebody, you have to tread lightly sometimes. And so that's really important too. Okay. I love those two little tidbits. Thank you for that. Well, you know, I'm wondering a lot of times, I mean, I would say very often parents that are co-parenting are not really seeing eye to eye on things. How much do you think that co-parents really need to work together, be on the same page to ensure that their children will be okay in your experience? So I think that the term co-parenting is um, deceiving. I don't think most mm -hmm. people are co-parenting. Co means together. I, I firmly believe co-parenting is what people do when they're married. They parent together. Sometimes. Sometimes in a, in a good situation, but the best most of us are doing in the first few years, especially after a divorce is parallel parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's still processing their emotions. So like you're doing your thing with your kids and then they're going to dad's and you have no communication with dad right now because you guys just can't seem to find a way to talk without fighting and dad's doing his own thing. And hopefully everybody's following their parenting plan, which is all they really need to do. That's why the parenting plan is designed. I don't think, and this 
you know, might be a, a shock to some that you really need to be on the same page with everything in order to parent well. I think if you can be on the same page with the fact that you want your children to be healthy, happy individuals, whatever that looks like in either household, that, you know, you're you're just raising them to follow their core values, but you're not necessarily doing everything the same way. You live two very different lifestyles. Like, I do think that's more than enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think that social media and TV shows do us any favors when they're showing co-parents like being best friends and getting together all the time. And it's beautiful, but it's it's also very rare. And it's not what your children need to be okay. Mm-hmm. Your children need to feel safe in both homes. They need to know that at least one of their parents is reasonable if the situation is completely unreasonable and will protect them emotionally. And I think that's, you know... Yeah. The most you can hope for coming out of the gate. That's the foundation. You know, we, you and I have covered this before, because for those of you that don't know, I've been on a guest on Michelle's podcast, too. And, you know, we've worked together a lot, but we've talked about this where that single adult caregiver that you have uh, who is trustworthy and reliable, that is what a child needs to thrive. Right. So, you know, do you have to agree on the same bedtime time or routine or, you know, how you're going to do your homework or which activity they're going to go into after no. school? No. Does it and make life it matter- easier? Yes. But is it, it does. Is it essential not- to their well-being? It, right. Like they're still going to grow up and mm-hmm. be capable of thriving and succeeding in life, even if you and your ex-spouse have two vastly different bedtime routines. And that's the problem is we get so focused on the here and now. And another thing I always say is that what's now is not forever. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen a beautiful transformation with my own daughter. She was two when we got separated and didn't know how to speak at all, let alone speak for herself. And now she will advocate for herself in both homes where she'll say, well, I like to do it this way at daddy's and I like mm-hmm. to do it this way at mommy's. And she's compartmentalized, but she's created routines that feel safe for her in either home. And so I don't think we give our children enough credit, but you'll see that they'll start to set like, you know, Bella will only eat certain things at her dad's. She eats a lot more variety and healthy foods at her dad's house that she doesn't Does eat she? here. Mm -hmm. Because here she knows that I'll probably make seven different dinners, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But but in my house, she knows she doesn't even like get to go into her bedroom when she gets home from school without doing her homework in the kitchen first versus at her dad's, she can do it whenever she wants. So she knows, she knows what's expected of her. And and the the important thing is like the things get done and she's still expected to be a good, honest child in both homes. And that's all we can hope for. Yeah, it's almost like being able, and if you can, but being able to even just address like core, core, core values that you want, right? Like what are the core things we want in our child as she grows? Like, what do we want for her life, right? So is it kindness, respect, like honesty? Like, yeah, things like that. If you guys can get like aligned on that, that that would be beautiful. But if you need to do that yourself, that's still enough for your child too. Yeah, absolutely. What you said resonates so much with a lot of the work I do with my clients where they're worried about so many differences and also in parenting strategies and in parenting styles, right? So what I say all the time is kids are so intuitive and they know exactly how each parent works, right? So they know what to expect and what they can get from each type of parent. So this is one of those things where it's like, you do you, you can only control your own behaviors and not letting as hard as it may be, the uh, if the other parent is not aligned, not letting that deter you from like your path, from what you're yes. doing. 
Yes. And, and that's, and that's what goes back to like one reasonable parent, one stable caregiver, because even if, and I think it was Bill Eddy who pointed this out, even if in the worst case scenario, your child is going to the, they're going to their other parent and it's just like a circus. There is no order. There is no like sense of responsibility or, you know, accountability for anything. There's no bedtime. There's no meals that don't come out of like a Doritos bag and you're making you crazy. And then they come to your house where it's consistent and orderly and functions like, you know, a happy, healthy home. And it isn't a circus. It's enough. Mm -hmm. It's enough. Like children crave stability. And if they can get it from one place, it's enough. It is. Absolutely. I totally believe that. You have a podcast, you have a book, you have a very big presence on social media. You are interacting with moms going through this like on a daily basis. Can you share with us some of your most frequently asked questions on co-parenting? Yeah. Um, The first one is how am I going to survive without my kids? I've, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of women, especially women who are getting divorced when their kids are super young, like we did, will say, I do everything for the kids. He doesn't do anything. He goes to work, he comes home, he like bounces the baby on his lap for a few minutes and then he's on to the next thing. How am I gonna let my child be with this person? And I have to honor that that is the scariest thing to have to do. But at the same time, I'm a big believer in giving somebody rope and seeing what they do with it. And I know I can be a bit controlling. Had I not given my daughter's father the ability to fully step into the role as a single dad and do all of the things that I did myself when we were together, basically because I'm of the mindset that I could just do it better and faster myself, he wouldn't have been able to become the dad that he is. And for all of our differences as adults, he's an amazing dad to her. And like, I just remember in the beginning when, you know, she would have a mm-hmm. diaper blowout at his house and he's like, I'm, I'm cleaning up poop right now. Like, I'll call you back, you know, <laughs> and like, and, and I, you know, except for some severe cases, which there are, they figure it out and you will be able to have peace of mind at some point with your kids being okay out of your care. And the other thing I get is, you know, of course, how to co-parent with a high conflict person. Everybody seems to be divorcing a narcissist or somebody with a personality disorder or somebody who's just unable to see past their anger. And it's a very hard thing to do. And this is where I say, again, to give up the idea that you need to co-parent. Parent the best you can, parallel parent if you need to, even if he's counter-parenting, you can stay in your own lane, do your own thing, and know that, again, if your children have you, you'll be okay. They'll be okay. That's really good sound advice. So much harder to sometimes remember and put into practice in those moments. But uh, here, you know, this is one of just those things where, again, we can only sort of be in charge of what we can do. Like we can't control other people. And I love what you said about letting go a little bit and giving the other parent, you know, their room and space to see what they do with it. I feel like that that also happened to me. Well, I think that my ex always wanted to be involved, but I think I was like the gatekeeper, you know, like those yeah, moms. Same. You know, it's same for the same reason. I was like, I want to do things my way. I'm faster at it. And like, she <laughs> lived inside of me, <laughs> right? Like she's mine. <laughs> yeah. so, but that's, 
but so, but this is, this. I'm glad you're pointing this out because we all feel like that as moms. It's mm-hmm. natural. That's, that's like our, our mama bear reaction to things. But then dads, especially when there's a divorce happening and they feel, dads don't like to feel like, men don't like to feel like they're losing in the divorce process, but they are losing time. They're losing money. So they feel that their attachment to their child is going to be threatened. You you'll see that like they actually step up even more. Like it's a beautiful thing. If 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 not for any reason than to prove us wrong, but the kids benefit from it. And yeah. I th- and I think that it's so important to, for moms to recognize like, is it that he can't do it, or am I just holding on too tightly? Yeah. You know, sometimes we're enabling and we don't even kind of notice right until we give them the opportunity to figure it out on their own. So I think that they can build some resilience sometimes without us getting in the way. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking about what I'm going through that I want to share really quickly recently, which, you know, reminding myself of all these big feelings that can be triggered by your kids and not just by the other parent, but I'm thinking about sometimes what kids say. So what Uh. I'm, yeah. And what I'm going through, not even like, you know, the other parents better and you're worse or I'm, I'm going through something different, which is, it's, it's interesting. My daughter was only, I think she, what was she like two when we got divorced? I think even, even a little bit younger and she's about two, seven. Her norm is, is two homes. That's her norm. Two homes. You know, we co-parent, we have a, we have a really nice co-parenting relationship and and I'm now mar- remarried to my second husband, and he's been with me for four years. He's lived with us probably for two. So sh- this has been her normal. She doesn't, yeah, she doesn't remember a life before this. Like this. Nope, yeah. she doesn't. But lately, what I'm getting a lot is, I wish you and daddy were married, or I wish you and daddy could be a couple. My ex heard her the other day, like planning with her friends on FaceTime, how to like a parent trap us, like in a dinner. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Parent trap us. And they were like, they were like whispering and it was like their secret. And he was, he was listening. And, but then she also said in the middle of the parent trap uh, scheme that she wanted my husband now to be, to still live with us in another room. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. It's very complicated. Um, But those, so she says those things directly to me. And you know what? Like, I just think about how much of my own work I have to do to be able to handle those comments from her and not completely break apart because I want her to be able to tell me how she feels. I really do. And I want to always sort of create the vibe that she can and it's safe to do that. Like, I think it's super healthy. At the same time, it obviously can trigger guilt and it can trigger, like, I feel bad. Is something wrong? You know, am I not making my child happy, which I know is not my job anyways, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, but it's, we're human. And so hearing things from your kids has to be really hard. Like I'm dealing with that myself. And what we do there is, I, there's no way to solve that. Like we're, I tell her, you know, she knows we're not going to get back together, but I just talk to her more about like, what is it about, you know, your dad and I being in the same house or, or being married, like what would, what would happen? Like, what about that do you really like miss or want or and crave? And it's really what we got to the bottom of it. It was just like more family time, all three of us, which like we can, mm-hmm. we can do, we can, we can do that in a way without us getting remarried. Right. Um, but I'm thinking about when kids are also telling you pretty horrible, nasty things like that has to be triggering on its own. Like, how do you deal with that? It's awful. Um, and 
I've experienced it and I know most people have. And sometimes it's not outwardly malicious. Like the other parent may not be sitting your Mm -hmm. child down and like telling them these things, but they're overhearing things. They're picking up on vibes. You know, kids obviously take in more than we realize they do. And so I think the best thing you can do there is if, if they're coming to you and saying something like, you know, daddy said you're bad and you're mean and you're horrible and whatever, then you can offer this child the opportunity to use like their critical thinking skills. Well, um, I think candy is bad and horrible and yucky, but you love it, right? Mm-hmm. And we're allowed to have different opinions. And do you think that you and daddy have to have the same opinions? Probably not because things are different for everybody. And what matters is how mommy makes you feel and not how mommy makes daddy feel or anybody else. And yeah, I think you're great. And, you know, I don't, I don't know why daddy would say that. Well, daddy's allowed to have his own opinions and adults have adult problems and none of them concern you. And, you know, just reassuring them that like, not necessarily the other parent is wrong, yeah. but that everybody's allowed to have their own opinions. And that's kind of the beauty of life. Yeah. And you can even take this opportunity, I think, to like teach your kids to set boundaries with that parent, like to Mm -hmm. not talk about the other parent in front of them if they don't feel comfortable with it, you know, depending on the age. But that's that's a good life skill anyways, right, to to help them become more assertive. Okay, Michi, before we run out of time, um, I want to ask you one last question, which is in your personal life, like what do you think has been your biggest lesson through your divorce and co-parenting just personally? The lesson that divorce and co-parenting taught me that has helped me everywhere else in my life is that giving up a little bit of control is really good for the soul. Like I (laughs) am incredibly anxious and fixated on knowing every outcome so that, you know, I don't have to, it's a trauma response, right? Like I'm always expecting the worst. So I want to know like how things are going to turn out and being able to take a step back and just be like, (laughs) whatever she does with her day with dad, like I'm still getting her back tomorrow and it's all going to be fine, you know? And that has helped me in other parts of my life for sure. Like I think in in my business, in my work, I've been able to pass that messaging and the importance of that down to my clients, but also, you know, in certain moves I make in my business, like knowing that I don't have all the answers or can't predict every outcome. It's been helpful and really healthy for me to yeah. to wrap my head around. Yeah. From one type A to the other. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> I feel you. It's not that. easy, but no. I do it. I know. I hear you on every single word of that you just said. I am so grateful that you joined us today. Tell everyone where they can find you. Sure. I'm on social media at the Michelle Dempsey on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, my website is momsmovingon.com. And you will find links to my book, my podcast, my courses, my workshops, my events, and a lot of great resources for single moms. For those of you that have not had a chance to read her book, it is incredible. It literally feels like it's like your best friend guiding you through your most challenging time of your life. But in like this light heart, it's, it still feels light. Like it's a heavy topic, but it feels light, you know? Well, that's what I wanted to do with it yeah. because I everything that I had read was just like doom and gloom and full mm-hmm. of legal terms. And it's really a what to expect when you're expecting. Um, for a divorcing mom. So thank you for that. Thank you for being here, Mish. I love you. You know this. I love you. Thanks for hanging out with me today. To keep up with the latest episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. 
and to keep up with the latest content and workshop offerings, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You can do this on my website, www.hatchandbloom.co. You can also catch me on Instagram at hatchandbloomco. See you soon.